0: Last week, we, uh, we, we dealt with the first minor prophet in clothes, a guy by the name of Hosea. Today, we're going to pick it up, and we're going to deal with Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah, and we're going to continue to unpackage these 66 love letters. Now, we believe, I don't want you to hear this loud and clear, we believe that the Bible is inspired by God, and it's profitable. For us to do life every day, it teaches us what's right, not what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right. We believe grass will wither and flowers will fade, but the Word of God will remain forever. We believe that the Word of God is sharp, it's quicker than any two-edged sword, it's pointed, and it's able to really penetrate our hearts. And so we believe that the Word of God is alive. Uh, Mercy Me had a song a few years ago, and it said, Word of God, Speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay in rest and your holiness word of God speak. And we believe that the word of God is able to speak to every heart. So the target that I seek to hit every week is what I'm sharing biblical, is what I'm sharing practical, is what I'm sharing transferable, meaning can you pass it on to other people? Let's dive into these minor prophets today. Now, when you study the minor prophets, let me say this to you. There's 12 of them. Again, it starts with Hosea. It ends with Malachi, the 12 minor prophets. The minor prophets were given a tough gig, if you will. Their assignment was to go out and proclaim that good news is coming, but they always started with God's judgment. They always started with, it's time to get right. It's time to repent. It's time to get your life in the right direction with God. The problem was these minor prophets, as they continued to cry out to people, people did not have ears to hear, and they did not want to change. It kind of sounds like our culture today, does it not? People just don't want to change. They want to stay the way they are. They want to keep doing things the way they do it. I was thinking about this this week. Have you noticed for so many that our definition of the good life is all about things going well for us more than it is truly knowing God? When we define a good life, what we're really saying is I want ease, I want comfort, I want things to just kind of be cool for me. But a lot of people, when they define living the good life, it has very little, if anything, to do with truly knowing, understanding, and worshiping God. Oftentimes, even our questions that we fire at God or ask others, and even some of the prayers that we pray is more about ourself, is more about trying to pull God down to manageable terms and reduce Him to what we want Him to be so that He will just be a cosmic Santa that meets our request instead of really embracing God for who he is and getting to know God. Very few of us like or enjoy going through times of brokenness, but without brokenness, we'll never reach a place of contrition where we're able to really, really walk with God. When things go wrong in our lives, I was pondering this, we usually ask questions like, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? And we look around and we see other people that appear to be living the good life, as I said. And we wonder, uh, how can I make things better? How can I get rid of this hiccup? How can I get rid of this pain? And so, so many of us will run to sedating and medicating and we try to reduce the amount of pain we're going through. We don't want to hurt. And, And then a lot of us, we're like, how can I persuade God they get over here where I'm at and get me out of this junk. You ever notice that? People struggle with prayer. I prayed about this one time and God didn't come through. Oh, so say, he's supposed to meet you ever how you want him to meet you. And it's not about you knowing God. It's about God knowing you and rescuing you all the time. And, and, and for so many, we struggle and we forfeit this intimacy with God. And I think that's where a lot of people live. And God, I believe, is challenging each and every one of us. I had a great conversation this Thursday uh, night with a guy who's 24, 25 years old. And he's battling through this thing of he's got to surrender. He's like, Tim, I know the right answers. They're right here in front of me. I've just got to be willing to do it. And he was here in the first service. First time he's engaged in a worship service probably in five years. And he, he's like, man, I've wondered. Yeah, you know what the right answer is. You, 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 know, you know what you need. But you've got to give up the inferior. If you're ever going to embrace the superior of God, you, you've got to give up this less wild attraction lover that you're attached to. And are you willing to surrender? So I want to unpackage what we can learn from Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah. And I'm just going to give you one statement, if you will, one statement kind of phrases that kind of connect with each personality. i will to start with Joel. Joel is an interesting book, only a few chapters. But Joel basically declares this, God desires to reveal himself to you, but you must confront sin and apathy in your life. Joel, throughout the pages, when you read it, he's like, God God wants to show you who he is. God wants you to know him. God wants you to walk in the fullness of abundant life. But you've got to confront your apathy and sin. You can't hide it and tolerate it and pacify it anymore. I love the way it reads out of the message in chapter 2. He said, God's message is come back to me and really mean it. I mean, really repent, really come back to me. Come fasting, come weeping, be sorry for your sins. You, you can't come back to God and still live in sin. You, you can't be pacifying sin. And, and, and Joel was screaming this like six, seven hundred years before Christ is born. He's like, God was like, come come back, change your life, not just your outward appearance. Come back to God. He's kind, he's merciful. This most patient God, extravagant in love, he's always ready to forgive. Come back. Come back. And, and, and I think it's so relevant to us today. Listen to me. It's like, do I have ears to really hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying? Am I willing to eliminate things that are deafening the tone of God's voice in my life? Well, what keeps me from repenting? What keeps me from coming back? What keeps me from dealing with this junk in my life? Well, why do I continue like a dog returning to his vomit? Why do I go to this stuff? And Joel is screaming, come back. He's, he's kind. He wants to forgive. One of, one of the most quoted passages out of the book of Joel is later in chapter 2. But God basically says, I want to pour out my spirit on you guys Now, with humility and with repentance and trusting me, I I can make you a kingdom player. My Pentecostal AG friends love to quote this verse right here. But I will pour out my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. That, that, That can happen today if we're thoroughly dealing with sin, repenting, walking in humility, and trusting God. Does God want to pour out his spirit on your life? You are a candidate today for the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God is wanting to do an amazing work in your life. But I've got to come to him not with outward uh, outward expression of just look and appearance. I've got to come to him with all my heart. And I can't hide. I can't cover. I can't live in deceit any longer. God desires to reveal himself to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. How does he do it? He he does it through the Bible. There's 66 books. And I tell you, you can pick it up in the book of Joel. And God goes, I want to show you who I am. You can pick it up in Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, the four we're looking at today. And God goes, I'll speak to you. Word of God speak. I, I want to. He reveals himself through Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, He reveals himself through a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus even makes the statement, well, it's good for y'all that I go away, John 14, 15, and 16, because if I go away, I'll send the help the comforter, the parakletos in the Greek, the one that's going to come alongside. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and righteousness and all this. And he, he reveals himself through the word, Ramos sayings, through the Logos, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. He, he reveals himself through nature. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And Romans 1 says, God's already given evidence that he's here through nature, and through creation. He reveals himself through other believers. Don't forsake hanging out in community. We want to see you in a small group. We want to see you connected with other people. God will reveal himself through others in the body. He'll he'll help others walk with us. Lee Strobel was an atheist. Lee Strobel had rejected and denounced the things of God. He was a journalist up in Chicago and He came to faith. He came to believe. And he's written books like The Case for Faith and The Case of Christ and tons of these books he's written. But listen to what Strobel said. He said, I realized that to stay an atheist, I would have to believe that nothing produces everything, that non-life produces life, that randomness produces fine-tuning, that chaos produces information, and that non-reason produces reason. Those leaps of faith were simply too big for me to take, especially in light of the affirmative case of God's existence. In other words, in my assessment, the Christian worldview accounted for the totality of the evidence much better than the atheistic worldview. He's like, I started looking at the Christian worldview and the God worldview. And I was like, the atheist worldview makes no sense. And it doesn't. See, God wants to reveal himself, and God revealed himself to Strobel. Josh McDowell, another practicing atheist. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you who I am. And so I would highly encourage you, press into the Word of God. Word of God, speak to me. Press into community. Press in to worship. Press into prayer. Press in and just get lost in the creation of God. Press in. You were given a gift when you walked in or a few minutes ago. I would highly encourage you to take this. Now, we pushed this out a few months back. And right now, media is an incredible resource for you to grow. You're like, why don't you put them on spoons? Because I want you to know that you don't have to come here to be fed. You're capable of feeding yourself. Did y'all hear me? I'm not going to treat you like a bunch of baby Robins where mama just chews up the food and you open your mouth and she spits it in it. You're capable of feeding yourself. My little Hannah, these, this past week, she started back to school and I walk into her room, 10 after 6 in the morning. She's got right now media open, Francis Chan, book of James, Bible open, journal open. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, Hannah. That a girl. Keep growing, baby girl. I was watching things this week myself, Dustin and I, pondering leadership nuggets. I mean, there's a library of John Maxwell teaching just on leadership as well as a ton of other people. You want to talk about Christian living? You want to talk about finances? You want to talk about parenting? You want to talk about apologetics? You want to talk about dealing with addiction? There's files with tons of library in each one. Hey. It's a free download. All you got to do is look on the card. You can scan that thing. I don't know how to do that, but maybe you do. I'm a texter, but just text the word Loganville to 41411, download right now media. I gave that out a few weeks ago to some of these minor league players. The next morning, a guy was sending me a note on this one study he was going through. He's like, sweet. That kid had just prayed to receive Christ the night before, and he was already starting to get into the Word. Don't you want to grow? You do not have permission ever to attack me or our church for the lack of spiritual maturity and depth that you have. If you do, I will, I will tell you that we've provided every tool that we know how to provide, and you are an idiot, so hush. <laughs> and I will do that seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Joel reveals to us as we go through the 66 books. I want to I reveal myself to you, declares the Lord. Now you're going to have to confront some apathy and stuff in your life. Then we read Amos, who was a back roads country preacher. Just kind of a prophet. He was on a mission. And I've studied through the book of Amos over the years. And I'm like, man, this dude was after it. But one of the key Verses in Amos is as he looked around he saw a lot of injustice. He saw a lot of Pain he saw people being mistreated In Amos chapter 5 verse 14. This is key Here's what he says do what is good and run from evil so that you may live Amos, what are you saying? I'm saying treat other people right Amos is like i'm telling you you got to treat other people right You got to treat other people with dignity treat them right. Do what is right to other people. Do what is right to your neighbor. Jesus said, how how can you say you really love God who you haven't seen when you don't even love your neighbor who you you do see? He's like, you got to deal with it. And then he goes on to say, the Lord, the God of heaven will be your helper. How well do you treat your neighbor? Some of us have been beat up and abused and Betrayed and rejected, and it's real. Some pain is a lot deeper than others. It's real. But God, down inside, He's like Tim. I I I want you to. Your responsibility is to treat your neighbor right. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been violated. But Tim, treat your neighbor right. People that have hurt us deeply. I'm not saying you got to trust them. I'm not saying you even got to like them. I'm not saying you want to, you even got to want to be around them. Some of them you shouldn't be around. But when it comes to doing life, he goes, treat other people right. One of the things I wrote down was authentic worship will lead to authentic change in regards to how I view other people. No, no don't, don't miss this. It's impossible to worship God honestly And authentically and treat people like crap because true worship transforms the heart soul and mind and it allows us to have the lens of heaven when we start to look at other people you see bitterness does a lot more to the vessel in which it is stored than it does to the object on which it is being poured and anytime we hold on to that hate and anger and hurt we've got to process it I'm believe me I'm not minimizing what you've been through but Amos says you got to treat people right and some of you haven't been treated right and some of you didn't have it model for you even growing up one of the things I wrote was this worship that does not change the way you relate to God and others is fake You get your hands lifted high and you memorize some songs, but if it's not changing the way you authentically relate to God, submit to God, surrender to God and others, it's fake. You will never experience spiritual maturity by living in self-protection or self-exaltation. You will not experience spiritual maturity because you're protecting, you're exalting, and it's not healthy. Jesus said, hey, love your neighbor like you do yourself. And some of you love your neighbor like you do yourself because you you condemn yourself and you beat up self. And God's going, stop it. I want you to see you the way I see you, and I want you to believe what I believe and say to be true about you. I want you to walk in this new identity of who you are in Christ and then I want you to love your neighbor as you do yourself because you're loving yourself the way I love you. God. Amen. But see, injustice permeates our world, and I'll deal with this in more detail next week. But even Christians, if we're not careful, we can turn a blind eye to the suffering going on around us. And we can see heartache, and we can see hurt, and we can see pain. And it's almost like ignorance is bliss. So as long as I don't really see it or recognize it, I don't have to deal with it. And some define godliness as being at church and not associating with the world. That was the mindset that I got introduced to right out of the gate of church back in the 80s. We love God. We don't drink. We don't smoke. We don't. Two, we don't. Then what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Jesus said, Go into all the world and love your neighbor. Extend the gospel to the least of these. You can't love your neighbor if you're not willing to engage with your neighbor. You know, the scripture says, the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that's sin. That's sin. I was talking to Mac, my buddy Powell, this week. He's wanting to kind of infiltrate more of the country world. He's going to continue to do some Christian stuff. But he goes, I've got to get out with people that are just not church people. And I said, Mike, for 25 years with Third Day, you're going out doing concerts. And most of the people you're singing to and, and trying to encourage are C's, their D's, their E's. They're people that already confess Christ. They're people that are developing as disciples. They're people that are able to equip others. And I said, you want to be with A's and B's. And he goes, what does that mean? I said, you want to be with people that are apathetic towards spiritual conversations or at least... Maybe they're starting to become interested, but they're not there yet. And he goes, that nailed it for me. He goes, I do. And and I believe that God is calling us to engage with the lost. I believe the heartbeat of the gospel is that it's not my will that any would perish. I want to see all come to repentance. And so I was thinking through this. I'm like, so for me... For me, it's a sin to treat people as an object to be used for personal advantage. That's a sin. It's a sin for me to value financial prosperity over the well-being of others. That's a sin. Because I'm diminishing the value of a person created in the image of God, and I will leverage that for what I can get out of it. He goes, that, that's, that's twisted. That's twisted. It is a sin for me to pursue satisfaction in a hedonistic way that is self-serving. It is a sin for me to see nothing wrong for housing hatred for years and bitterness toward another human being. That's enough. One of of, of my friends came forward this morning, and her family's been hurt by the actions of a person. She goes, I've got to let it go. During our prayer time, and I said, that's right. I just still get angry thinking about it. And I said, I know we all get hurt, but 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 I promise you, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta let that go. For me, for me, for me, it's a sin not to love my neighbor. So my buddy Ollie is sitting here in the front, red shirt, and we had a great talk th- this week. And I was like, How, what made you want to come to church here? He's like, shared his narrative and his story with me. But he's like, I was in the gym. And Lisa, Lisa, who trains people and works out and all that. He, he's like, we were talking and we, we had spent some time in dialogue. And one week, this one day, Lisa comes up and hands me your story matters bracelet. And says, all your story matters. Your story really matters. And she knew that he was struggling through trying to figure some things out. He's like, man, I do cardio for an hour, two hours at a time. So he said he puts it on, and he's on the treadmill, elliptical, whatever he's doing, and he's looking at your story matters, and he flips it around, and he sees the cross Loganville, and your story matters. And so about an hour and a half later, he says, he saw Lisa again and said, why did you give me that? She goes, because your story matters. Where do you go to church? She goes, I go to the cross, Loganville. He goes, well, you didn't invite me. She goes, I don't want to shove anything down your throat, basically. St. Francis said, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Walk it. And Ollie basically said, would you be okay if I met you and your husband on Sunday and went with you? And she goes, I would love that. And this is like his fifth Sunday being here. Amen. Six. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. My man was in San Diego a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he told Jesse at the gym, tell your dad I'm not going to be there, but I, I'm in San Diego having to deal with some stuff. So when he saw me, he goes, did Jesse tell you I ain't missing, brother? And I said, Jesse told me. I ain't going to do anything with you anyway. You're two seventy, brother. I want you to be my bodyguard. I ain't blowing up at you. That's one of them dudes. I'm like, why did you miss church? I'm like, you know, I love you, dude. I missed you. <laughs> here's the ways to go about telling it. But Lisa, I love that. But Because even within your personality, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even within your personality, you were, you were able to share the love of Christ with someone else. Now, you're not going to be like my my son Jesse. Jesse does one set of 10, talks for 30 minutes, and goes, no. (laughs) But within your personality, and I think that is such a huge piece for us in here, within your personality, you can share the love of Christ. Within your personality, you can extend the gospel. And I, I want you to know, I want you to know, as you ponder the book of Amos, he's like, Go love your neighbor. Treat other people right. Then you pick up this dude by the name of Obadiah. How many of y'all, just for the show of hands, have ever done a complete study thoroughly through the book of Obadiah? Raise your hand. You have Ray, Kim, two of (laughs) y'all. Anybody else ever studied thoroughly the book of Obadiah? How how many of y'all even knew there was a book in the Bible named Obadiah? Raise your hand. That's more like it. Obadiah is one of those books I would encourage you to read. He only gets one chapter. <laughs> I think the reason a lot of people don't read Obadiah is because really the central theme that he confronts is you need to deal with pride thoroughly. No, I'm not reading you, dude. I'm going over to Jonah, and we're going to hang out at SeaWorld. <laughs> I mean, right? Right? It's like, "Ah." but listen to Obadiah, verse 3. You have been deceived by your own pride. Because you live in a rock fortress and make your home in the high mountains, you ask boastfully, who can ever reach us way up here? I mean, Obadiah confronts the pride of the people, and what he's basically saying is this. Look at me. Look at what I got. Look at where I live. Look at my stuff. Man, you will really dig me. I'm I'm ahead of the game. And I think so many people in the Western culture buy into the American dream. Look at how far I've gone in life. And look at how much I have accomplished in life. God's allowed you to get whatever you've got, but you're saying it's wrong to have a nice house. No, it's not. But it's wrong for the nice house to have you and for you to be prideful about it. If you've got a nice house, you probably need to be entertaining your neighbor in your nice house for the glory of God. Obadiah, here's the point. You were never, never, Never intended to live for self. God didn't put you on this planet to live for yourself. It's not about you. The book's not about you. The gospel's not about you. It's about Christ. Following your own desires without ever contemplating the impact influence is having on your neighbor as well as the kingdom is very narcissistic. How's this going to impact the kingdom? So I was thinking about this. How can I confront pride? Let me me give you some simple thoughts. Uh, Take your eyes off yourself. Reduce the amount of selfies on your phone. (laughs) Take your eyes off yourself. I say that laughing. But I say that. Take your eyes off of yourself. It's not about you. Share the glory. Quit being obsessed with self-improvement. It's easy for you to say, Cash, because you don't have no hair. You can't do anything about it. Well, some people get so obsessed that they lose focus on the kingdom. You don't have a six-pack anymore, Cash. You got a keg <laughs> that's right a keg a p b r keg even the cheap look get your eyes off yourself for real i would highly encourage you to focus on making other people a better around you make others better see them come alive pour energy into others When you start to put the spotlight on somebody else, it's amazing how it starts to erode the pride in your own life. Man, who am I mentoring? Who am I encouraging? Mama K, who am I building up? And, And it's amazing. Proverbs, like apples of gold. On a setting of silver is a kind word spoken in the right circumstance. We have the ability to speak kind words over other people. You know what I know? Telling the story this morning regarding Lisa, it made her feel valuable to the body. It made Ollie feel like his story mattered. The power of blessing... We sat there on Thursday night, and we started doing this years ago. And j- just, just let me bore you, but think about this. Jesse's birthday was on the 7th. I think Corey's was on the 6th, Corey Johnson, who's in our church. Chad, you, you, you can do this. It'll change the, the dynamics of the house. Jim, this is powerful to do. We had dinner, and then we sat there. All right, Jesse, we're going to bless you. And Jesse's friends and family and other people, we just went around. Jesse, here's what I love about you. Here's what I appreciate about you. Hannah goes, Jesse, and this is 15-year-old looking at her 19-year-old brother. Jesse, you know what I love? I love how you love people. I love how you're constantly sharing your faith at the gym. I love how you're constantly bringing and inviting people to come to church with you. I, I, I love how you loved on cruise. And I love how you, bam. And every person went around. No spotlight on us. We we, we just want to bless you. And then Corey was sitting there. And we all went around. Corey, I know you want your own birthday, dude. But this year we're double dipping. We have to marry them together. But we all went around and blessed Corey. Corey, here's what I love about you. Your energy changes the room when you walk in it. Man, you... Your ability to just totally revamp an atmosphere is so awesome. Corey, you didn't grow up with a dad modeling godliness. This is what I told him. Corey, you went through some bumpy times, and he shared his story here. And that accident that you had where you were drunk and your buddy was killed, and you ended up spending four years incarcerated. Corey, let me tell you something about you. You're one of the greatest success stories in my life because a lot of people view success with, Look at how much I've accomplished. I'll look at it with, Look at how much you've overcome. Man, your resilience and your ability to keep showing up. And Corey, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You get in a small group and with your family or friends, and walk around and just say, Richard, let me tell you what I love about you. Yes, you're faithful, you're loyal, I depend on you. You're dependable, brother. But from the time we met when our boys were 11, Jesse and Brandon, and when you surrendered to Christ and got serious and pulled the throttle back and drove the stake in the ground and I baptized you, you went home and got serious. And a year later, your wife and kids have come to faith in Christ and you baptized them. And you were not satisfied with just being a person that sat in a chair, even though you're quiet and reserved. You went back to school, got your counseling degree, started the anvil ministry. You're pouring into other people. You show up every day ready to play the game. Man, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. Stop and bless somebody. It helps you confront the pride in your own life. Esposito hands me a book today. He wrote a book on evangelism. He loves evangelism. Can I tell you something? I was so proud of him for writing the book. He and I know that when it comes to grammar and spelling, we were in the third of the class. that made the upper two-thirds possible. We're just not that smart. But he's passionate, and he sat down, and he combed through it, and he combed through it, and he's got it out there on Kindle now. Hey, I want to help people share their faith. That's right. There's other people that can teach you how to spell. We want to teach you how to share your faith. And he handed me that book today, and I was like, He wrote that. He overcame obstacles. He trusted the Holy Spirit. He wasn't afraid to show up. Confront your pride. Get over yourself. Well, I'm scared to share my faith. All of us are. You do it the first time, you get a little more courage. And you do it a second time, and you're like, well, they didn't exactly slam the door in my face. And, but if you do it because you love people, try to make other people better. What one area of personal pride is God asking you to deal with today? Where's the Holy Spirit turning on a searchlight right now in you saying, stop. Deal with this area. Let me wrap it up with Jonah. Jonah gets more ink than any of the 12 minor prophets. Jonah, people know about old Jonah. They don't know Obadiah, but they know about the reckless rebel who didn't want to do what God asked him to do. Jonah's a cute children's church story, but he's a terrible example of what it means to honor God. I've oftentimes wondered, like, how did that cat get all this much ink? What not we give it to Joel? Hosea's mistaken. He, nobody even reads Hosea. Jonah. Oh, yeah, I love Jonah. I'm going to name my son Jonah. Really? Uh, how's that working? <laughs> I'm going to name my son after a dude that didn't want to honor God. We've got Jonah's in the house, two of my favorite families. I laugh. I had to jab y'all. L- listen to this one right here. It's funny. It's funny, Dan. It's funny, Jeff. Jonah, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. I love it. Jonah goes, this is why I ran away and went to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God. I know you're slow to get angry and you're filled with the unfailing love. You're eager to save people. Listen to what Jonah says. You know what? Just kill me. I'd rather be dead than alive. It's a cool name. It's a trippy story. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. No. <laughs> Give me a ticket for an airplane. I ain't got time to catch a fast train. I'm going to Tarsus. He gets on a boat and the storm comes and people are like, what is up? And he goes, I'm jacking it up. Throw me overboard. We don't want to do that. You're a prophet of God. Throws him overboard. He's about three days in this fish's belly. God, I, I'm so sorry. He don't even mean it. He's going through the motions. That's the point of Jonah. Stop going through the motions. I'll go. He goes and preaches the entire city. He don't even have like a cool message. He's not even an articulate communicator. He just basically goes in and says, God's going to destroy y'all. Repent. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be like it? What happened? God told me. Now he didn't tell me to go to the cemetery like Ezekiel. But he told me to just go stand over there in the Walmart shopping center and say, hey, hey, y'all got seven days to repent if not God's going to smoke you and all of a sudden we're baptizing 14,000 next week you would go you wouldn't elevate the communicator you wouldn't say "Cash, dude what did you do I'm like I didn't even want to do it I was mad I don't like those people and that was Jonah he's like I don't even like them people and I was looking going yeah You don't want God to save sinners, which means you can't experience salvation. I don't want God extending grace to evil people, which implies you're cool with going to hell yourself. And I'm like, God, you wanted Jonah's heart. He's like, yeah, I want yours too. Not part of it. I, I don't want you to go through the motions. I was like, when God's assignment was compatible with Jonah's desire, he was happy to be a prophet. So, so are you. When God's assignment kind of fits the desire that you think is best, you're like, that's cool. But when it's countercultural and potentially could cause you to risk embarrassment, Jonah's like, ah, don't want to do it. And Jonah's ability to rationalize and justify disobedience is just as stubborn as you and me. Here's the reason I don't give. Here's the reason I don't share. Here's the reason I'm not in a small group. Here's the reason I don't honor God. Yeah, I got you. I got, I gotcha. Matthew West had a song a few years back called Motions. It's a great song. But he says this, this might hurt It's not safe, but I know i got to make a change. I don't care if I break. At least I'll be feeling something. Because just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of life. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I'd given everything instead of going through the motions? Instead of going through the motions. And I would, I would heighten your awareness in this area. Stop going through the motions in your walk with God, stop playing the game and repent. God wants to reveal himself to you. You can't hear from God because you're going through the motions and you're housing hatred and sin in your life. You won't deal with sin thoroughly. He's like, stop going through the motions. Repent. Stop going through the motions in your marriage. Stop it. Start loving each other. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be willing to die for her. Stop going through the motions. Stop the same old, same old. Get serious about your covenant that you're in. As a married man, I'm in two covenants today. I'm in a a covenant with God that God started through the shed blood of Jesus and invited me in, and I'm in a covenant with God. I don't want to go through the motions. I'm in a covenant with Barb. Stop it. Love her as Christ loves the church. Serve her. She's battling bronchitis, and this is the third time she's had it this year, and she gets knocked down. She's been knocked down for well over a week again. The other morning, I was looking at her, and I was like, the Lord said, would you rather be sick and have somebody serve you, or would you rather be in a position where you can authentically serve with no strings attached, nothing, big boy? like, I'd rather serve my wife. I, I want to make sure she's okay. I want to die for her. Believe me, she takes care of me like a champ. Stop going through the motions. Some of y'all need to repent. and Get your marriage right today. Stop going through the motions when it comes to serving. Do it. There's 10,080 minutes in a week. I'm a math major. That would be 20,160 in two weeks. I'm getting real good at 40,320 in four weeks. I like math. Serving for 80 minutes once a month, do the math. It's not going to cost you much. And you get to invest in people's lives to impact people for eternity. Sign up, serve, serve with our kids, serve with our youth, get involved, start pouring into other people's lives. Start serving, doing missional work. What are you saying? I'm saying stop going through the motions. If we take anything away from the book of Jonah, it's like, stop it. Get your heart right. Do it out of sincerity, of obedience to the Lord. Surrender.